Hello and welcome back to Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast in which Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, chat to authors, publishers, editors, all sorts of people involved in this crazy industry that we are in. And today we are delighted to have a very special guest for our 42nd episode. It is Leah Busboom, who is a wonderful author of romance books, and she is here today to talk to us all about her journey towards finding where she fits into the marketplace. So Leah, we're delighted to have you here today. How are you doing? Oh, great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, well, we are very, very pleased to have you. And of course, we wouldn't be here without the man himself, Craig Touch, the owner and founder of Hidden Gems and an author himself. How are you doing today, Craig? I'm doing well. Thanks, Roland. Uh, welcome, Leah. So we uh, we were talking over email about um, you coming on and you because you were telling me about how uh, at multiple points in your career of writing romance, you had to pivot. You had to evolve with the market um, in in a couple of different ways and a couple of different sort of subgenres. And I think that that's like a really important topic because I think sometimes people start writing and then they almost get fixated and 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 tunnel vision and be like, this is the way I'm writing and this is you know, and, and then it's not working and they just just try to plow forward with what they're doing exactly and not changing and not really looking at what's sometimes it's it's nothing to do with them sometimes the market is moving sometimes they're just you know maybe they're not a right they haven't figured out their niche or their their fit and and so it's really important to be able to evolve with the market to find your own strengths and your own success right so you've had to do that a couple of times so it's it's probably like a really good um you know case study for people to understand sort of what you went through and learn learn from that so why don't you tell us a little bit about what you know what's going on how it how it sort of started for you where where you first had to pivot and we'll go from there okay thank you well uh i wrote these three baseball romances. Um, and, you know, I, I kept wondering, what, what, what do I have to do to get these to sell? I really like them. Of course, an author always likes their own work, right? Um, but I'm really more of a sweet romance or clean and wholesome romance author. And I didn't realize for a while I started reading sports romance, you know, just like devouring them, trying to figure out, are, are, is my writing, would, is that really what's not competing? And I, I, I decided two things. One was my covers were kind of lame, uh, maybe not quite steamy enough. Now, when you think about it, here I was with a book that was sweet, clean and wholesome, and I was going to put a steamy cover on it kind of gives the wrong message, right? But I was wanting to compete in this marketplace. So the first thing I did was change the covers. And I got lots of uh, my friends joking, saying, wow, woo, steamy covers, you know. And yet the content was still the same. It was the same sweet romance book. <laughs> so after reading um, several you know, sports romances. And really mine, I mean, it's not that they weren't selling at all, but they weren't selling like I expected them to sell. And the cover change made no difference. You know how you always say, don't judge a book by its cover? Well, I was trying to get draw readers in by this change of cover, which when you think back about it, it was kind of a 
maybe a rookie mistake kind of a thing. But, you know, I was trying to say, okay, maybe it's my cover that's, you know, putting people off. Well, so when you, um, because I, I feel like uh, the the sports romance is probably in general, like you said, a steamier read mm-hmm. as well, not just a steamier cover. And uh, were your blurbs sort of clear about how yours were more clean and wholesome uh, yes. yes, I think so. So I, I was giving this series of mixed messages, right? Mm-hmm. right? A kind of clean, sweet blurb, a steamy cover, and then a story that was um, sweet, you know, clean and wholesome. So you know what I decided? I said, I don't think I can compete in this market. That isn't me. My voice is not this steamy romance writer, you know. So I I gave up. And and maybe I shouldn't for that genre. But, you know, it just kind of hit home that that's really more steamy romances. And how was I ever going to compete unless I found that one person who liked sweet sports romance? Yeah. yeah and, and at that point, right? Yeah. And one person isn't going to help your career too much, right? <laughs> One one at a time, but not one and done. Yeah, right. Exactly. So I think you're right. I no, I mean I think you did make the right decision because uh like I said, I think that the, the market for sports romance is, you know, it's like that I think uh maybe that I, I always hate to sort of guess at what women are thinking about in terms of like why they're trying to buy these books, but my uh male sort of opinion of that would be that you know that the 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 sports guys are the you know the you know the alpha mm-hmm. males the you know, that's why they have this, yeah right and and that's drawing in readers that mm-hmm. probably want to hear about those muscles and yeah. see them in action so you know you're gonna you're gonna probably have a more they're gonna be wanting a more steamy read right so you're right like if you have a suite in a in a typically steamy category it's not a great thing. And even if you draw the people in with a steamy cover and they, and they maybe don't notice in the blurb, or even if you change your blurb and made it sound senior, what will that do? That will lead to potentially bad reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it'll, or at the very least you'll be selling to people that will then decide I'm not going to buy your next one. Right. So right. It's, a, it's an uphill battle at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like buying a buying a box of cookies, thinking they're chocolate chip, and then finding they're the oatmeal raisin. When there's nothing wrong with oatmeal raisin, it's just if you expect chocolate chips, you're like, yeah, oh. good good analogy, <laughs> exactly. I, I was trying to get people to read my book on a false pretense, so to speak, right? That steamy cover, you, right. you know. I thought, oh, it's just my cover, but it wasn't. It was I was trying to compete in the wrong niche of that market. That takes a lot of self-awareness to like get to that level. A lot of self-awareness that I think some uh, aspiring self-published authors never never get to. And that's perhaps why they don't end up achieving success. So what was it that like clued you in that made it just click for you? I think it was after I read several. Um, I have a friend who lives in, also lives in Colorado and, and she writes hockey romance. And I read a lot of hers and I realized, hmm, mine don't compete in terms of steaminess, for sure. So, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of hard to give up. A lot, you know, it's your human nature to persevere, right? I can do it. I can do it. But 
why try to compete against your nature, against your natural, what you want to write? So I switched to a more clean and wholesome, uh, like small town romances where I pivoted to. Um, and then in most recent time, uh, the, the thing that made me switch a second time, or at least feel like, ha- have you ever had that feeling of missing out kind of situation? Well, the thing that hit me oh, probably about maybe a year ago was all these covers I was seeing for the rom-coms, where it's sort of a cartoonish cover, I would call it that, um, yep. bright colors. There's not a picture of, there's not a photograph, you know, they're, they're just people depicted as, you know, cartoon images basically. And I thought, wow, I'm seeing a lot of these covers, like tons of them. And none of mine look like that. So all of a sudden I felt like, oh, I have outdated covers because a lot of my romances are really filled with a lot of humor. You could call them rom-coms, but here they are having the guy and the gal, you know, staring longingly at each other. <laughs> and these other covers are sort of, you know, different and, and exciting and new. And actually, I, I went to a, a webinar yesterday and the gentleman presented some statistics. And he said uh, 41% of the romance market is now those kind of covers where 37% is the couple on cover. There's been a shift. I mean, I was starting kind of to feel it myself where the other covers actually have a bigger share of the market. So a couple things I did. One was I went back through and looked at all my romances and said, which ones would really be a rom-com, right? And I changed the covers to those kind of covers. And then the second thing I did was I said, you know what? I really need to start a rom-com series that's admittedly a rom-com, a romantic comedy. So I did that. And you can only write so fast. <laughs> so, so, sorry. So were you, so when you did this, were you, are you saying that you looked at your existing catalog first yes. of the sports romance yes. and then well, said. No, it wasn't the sports. It was the small town. Okay. So this was after the sports. You yeah. I mean, I just said okay. If those sports romances sell, they sell. You know, I just, I wasn't going to put any more energy in that space. So my small town romance, I went back through. I have a, a series that has 12 books in that series. And I went back through and I said, now, which of these are really rom-coms, right? I wasn't, mar- I was marketing them as small town romance. And what's three the of timeline? Them- Sorry. What's the timeline on that? Were you, did you write the, the sports romance um, like first. first and then you wrote, and then when you decided that that wasn't for you, you switched to small town Correct. and then you were writing small town with covers that, you know, weren't really the, and they weren't marketed as rom-com. They were just marketed as small town, clean, Correct. I guess. Sweet small clean. town, sweet, sweet, clean and wholesome. Romance. Right. And they had real people on the covers. Yes. And mm-hmm. then you decided, Rom-com is kind of more your niche, right? Well, or I I had this fear of missing out kind of a thing that happened to me. You know, I I looked at my covers and none of them looked like these rom-com covers. And in fact, I tried to join a couple uh, author promotions 
you know, where you we all market each other's books together. And they would say, cover must be rom-com style cover. And Isn't I, that fun? It, it is. I mean, they were very particular about it. But if you ever click on any of those links, if you're on author newsletters and say, oh, here's this promotion, you do notice that a book that doesn't have that kind of cover kind of stands out, you know. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. But anyway, um, a lot of these people who, authors who have these promotions say, nope, I only want rom-com covers in that promotion. Well, I couldn't join, right? Mine weren't like that. Yeah, there, there's a lot of... Um... We often say, especially when we're talking with authors and or when we're, you know, looking at issues about it, we we point to the top lists of their subcategory, right, on Amazon and look at all the covers. And often you'll see, you know, a style that sort of is repeated from author to author. And it's not a matter of like everybody copying each other. It's a matter of people recognizing what works in that subgenre and marketing it to that so that the readers know that that's the kind of book at least they understand what I'm looking for that, you know, and, and that's sort of mm-hmm. that first connection you make with them. That that first promise of this is a, this is the kind of book you want, at least by the cover. And then, you know, they go in and they read the, the blurb and the, all that. Right. So right. it sounds like, yeah. So it sounds like that's what you sort of recognize at that point. I did. And, you know, <clears throat> I, I thought I don't really have time to write a new book you know, fast enough, right? How do I get into this market? How do I compete with what I already have? That's what I was looking at at that point. Because my idea was just switch out a couple covers. You know, you already have humor. Your books are funny. People comment on that all the time. They qualify as being a rom-com, but the cover puts people off. Uh, unintentionally. I mean, it didn't do that on purpose. (laughs) So I went back through that 12 book series and three of them stood out to me as, yep, I can market these as rom-coms. I can change the cover and I'm going to do that. And I did it. Now, did you have to change the blurb as well? Yes. Yes. The blurbs are written a little differently. You know, they, they kind of bring out the, maybe I was trying to bring out the small town sweetness. Now I'm going to bring out more of the humor. What's funny in this book, right? And that seemed like the, the lowest hanging fruit, so to speak. How do I get in? I feel like I'm missing out. I feel like I'm late to the party. I'm not in the party. Um, so I switched the covers. And then I started writing a new rom-com series that was focused totally from the beginning on this is going to be hilarious. This is going to be funny. Um, and I've published that, the first book now, too, of that series. So let's look at that first. Let's take this, I guess, piece by piece. So with this 12-book series, I'm interested to know, um, you know, often when you write a series, you uh, sort of keep the mm-hmm. subgenre sort of static, right? So it sounds like out of 12 books, are they, were they standalone, each one? Oh yes, you can write them. Yeah. You can read them all as a standalone. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so that's that helps. But so you took th- only three of those mm-hmm. and changed their changed them from just regular, you know, small town suite to uh, rom com suite, mm-hmm. small town too, I guess. And, and those only those three, you mm-hmm. can put the the sort of the the illustrated cover on. Is that yes, mm-hmm. right? And that's so correct. did that? Did that? Um, 
change your sales at all? I mean, I know that the difficulty is you've already sort of marketed it. They might be old by the time you change them. Just changing stuff at that point is often difficult, right? Because, you know, you've, you know, people have seen it. They're moved on to the newest thing now. And uh, so unless you start marketing it again and taking those books and sort of like almost like relaunching them, which you can't, you, you can still do in terms of marketing, but it used to be that you could actually like, unpublish them, republish them, get a new ASAN and all that stuff. Now, I don't think Amazon allows that as easily as they did before. So No, and, you know, actually I see this happening all the time, the new cover thing. But I clearly stated to my my newsletter readers, hey, I changed these covers. So if you've already read it, don't just think it's a new book, right? I wasn't trying to do a bait and switch to right. anybody. No, for sure. But what it allowed me to do was join some of these promotions where I'm marketing to the new audience, right? Oh, yeah. And expanding my audience into people who want to read humor. My other audience maybe wants to read, you know, heart-touching, you know, sweet, small town. That's fine. That's wonderful. I love those romances. But what about the people who want to just laugh and giggle and, you know, have these funny situations. So those three books had that in them. You know, that was already written in there. I just wasn't marketing them that way. Right. And then, so once you did, did it help your sales at all? Yes. Yes. And I feel like that really helped the launch of my new rom-com series because I started to get readers who want to laugh. They're looking for something funny. Um, and so when I launched the new series, it, it the book did really well, really well, um, because I feel like still my small town readers would like that book. But, you know, maybe not as many of them as these new readers I had drawn in from trying to expand my audience in a way that, um, you know, I already had those books written. <laughs> what was I going to do to try to help? get into this rom-com market that seems to be fairly structured. The cover, the blurb, and then, you know, what you write inside the book. I think we always talk about covers being almost like a dress code. It's like if you have a a book cover, like with, with thrillers, like thrillers always have white sans serif text and like a shadowy figure in a sort of vignette, like 80 80- thrillers have that cover and so if you don't have a cover like that you're basically telling your potential readers i don't get this genre and right. so and it strikes me you're you were in a lucky situation where you you weren't baiting and switching you weren't pretending to be something else you had books which would generally appeal to this audience and so by packaging them up that way that seems like the perfect storm it seems like you want to w- what you want to do you want to be able to tell the stories you want to write but package them in a way that appeals to people who want to read that's correct. Exactly. Exactly. And it kind of uh, gave me a new life, sort of, as the author. Um, you know, it's like, oh, yay, now I'm in this party. I'm going to compete in this party, <laughs> you know, rather than try to stick one of my existing books in there with the, what I would call outdated cover in that in that genre, just in that niche. Um, and it it really gave me like new life because I'm like, Oh yes. Okay. Now I can write this book as funny as I want because that's what I'm trying to compete with humor. 
But also when you talk about community, I think one of the things that you really see with authors who have longevity and find success is they write books that they want to write. And it seems like writing funny books is something that naturally appeals to you more than it's not forced, like maybe writing baseball romance was forced. Well, exactly. Exactly. The baseball romances, by the way, were funny, too. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe I need to just try and figure out how to, you know, make them rom-coms. But um, you're right. Have you ever heard an author say, I I found my voice? Yeah. I mean, there's something that resonates with me very much. I used to, I started off writing, uh, Craig knows about this, MMA romance books, which are about MMA fighters. And a lot of people, a lot of my readers were like, there's an awful lot of MMA and not so much romance. And then (laughs) I found my niche by like taking old fashioned adventure stories and just focusing on the romance. And it's like, okay, that doesn't appeal to everyone, but I found an audience that I love writing them and therefore I can continue writing them. And that's, that's when you get like the magic and everything you wanted to become a writer for with the ability to actually make money writing. And that's like the, the sweet spot. That's where it clicks, so to speak. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm not saying I'm only a romantic comedy author because I'm still doing the others too. I feel like I can do both. My editor teases me. She says, Oh, now you got to switch into the more serious <laughs> mode. <laughs> but um, I, I think I can balance that. You know, and maybe my readers like the change of pace every now and then. I'll read yeah. a more serious one, then I'll read her one that, you know, makes me sit on the couch and giggle, that kind of thing. Yeah, and you're going to find with your new series that, you know, you're starting from day one marketing in this rom-com. You're going to find, and, and you're already seeing you're having more success with that. You're going to get more people in, and hopefully they will be clicking through to your back catalog and, and discovering you know, some of that stuff too. Now they'll probably gravitate more to the ones that are clearly rom-com, right? But but there'll right. be some that, that want to branch out, try the other stuff. Although that is a good reason to sort of like put sort of, even if it's not a complete rom-com, maybe put a rom-com sort of like spin or at least make it clear that it that it has some of those elements so that when people go look, you know, they might even look at the sportsman and see that, oh, it has those same elements uh and because i like this author i'll give it a try right so it gives you that multiple entry points too like you might find somebody entering from this book or for that book but then they they see the whole uh the whole catalog and then you know you get them from all sorts of angles i do notice that i mean i you know some days i i go look at my sales and i'm like wow i sold you know that whole series. <laughs> How'd that happen? I wasn't actively like just, you know, ads and marketing that right then. Um, so I do think you're right. I think you pick up these readers who love your style. Um, you know, the small town is more of a balance between some serious topics and humor. The rom-com is pretty much all humor, some serious, but you know, mostly humor, but who doesn't maybe like that? I, I've had people in, in reviews say, whew, this was a nice change of pace. It wasn't, didn't have so much angst. It's, I think it's almost like movies. You want, you want to watch movies that are familiar, but have a twist. It's like we go and see the Marvel movies again. And, it, you know, Marvel movies always kind of have the same beats. But we like, like uh, Craig always gets annoyed with me when I talk about James Bond incessantly but you go to a James Bond movie because you expect certain things like you expect him to chat to Q you expect him to have a dry martini you expect him to see these lines but you want it to be 
fresh and different. So you go in and like see that it's this weird like balance you have to do between what's familiar and what's new. That's true. Very true. So, so yeah, I guess it, well, it wasn't a hard thing for you to to pivot and to um, evolve into the uh, the rom com market because you were already sort of adding the humor to mm-hmm. your books. It was just more of a you know recognizing that your covers originally were not sort of the right ones and a change of it. Like I, I had mentioned to you that that when we were talking about this over email that. Um, I've seen those sort of illustrated covers for rom-com for a long time, but I think that they're becoming even more prevalent now. Whereas mm-hmm. before, before it was like sort of a mix, you know, sometimes a rom-com would have the people on it, real people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it would have illustrated, but I think now we're seeing it's almost all sort of the illustrated uh, covers for that. And I guess that's what you rec- recognize. And so you said that the webinar uh, was saying that whatever forty seven percent or forty one percent had illustrated covers. Yeah, right? and thirty seven percent had the co- the couple on the cover, and then that other percent that's left over is maybe it's the, the male on the cover, the female. You know, just a little different stuff. Right. Was that? But was that specifically for rom com? No, he was he was speaking about the romance market. So he's saying for romance, I don't know. know. Roland, what do you think? I don't think I'd be surprised if 41% of the entire romance market is illustrated. Now I haven't noticed that. And and the couples on the cover is also not huge. I wonder if, I wonder if it's a subcategory of romance, because I, I I could imagine that if you were looking specifically at, at certain categories of romance, I could absolutely imagine that. Whereas, um, you know, if you were looking at romance as a whole, I'm not sure. That sounds like a lot, but I've definitely seen an increase in those ones, and they become almost ubiquitous in romantic comedy and and certain yes. other genres. There are a lot of really yeah. many. Tessa Bailey is the. I've got a couple of Tessa Bailey books over there, and they have those covers, and those are like absolutely mainstream. You see them in Barnes and Noble and stuff. So, um, I I I wouldn't be. Who is the the person who did the seminar? Alex Newton from Kalytics. Ah, I'm not familiar with him, but that's interesting. I'll look into that because that seems big, but then it depends on the context of what genre you're looking at. Right. And, you know, he was kind of, he was giving a general market overview. I can email you a slide that I did screen capture that slide because it was interesting to me. I'm like, oh, okay. So Yeah, I mean, I'm like just scrolling through the top uh, 100 covers 100 romance covers like i haven't drilled in to um to any subgenres for the kindle and it's definitely not 41 percent of them that are illustrated like it's a it's a fairly small percentage um but but that's you know that's that's the top books that not necessarily the um like all books but you kind of want to be sort of mimicking what's at the top <laughs> more than well more than i think i think you want to drill down into because you know you aiming to write a general romance is a recipe for disaster whereas if you aim to write like i write military romances and in military yeah. romances 80 percent of them have you know bare chested guys at the cover or something like that 
Um, so, you know, depending on your genre, if you can drill down even not that far and then you look at it and it's like, oh, 60 percent of the covers look like this, 50 percent of the covers look like that. The the context, I think, in the broader general category of romance isn't so useful because there are so many different categories and people don't tend to, to you know, you don't have people who read steamy military romances and small town romances generally right. in my imagination. Very true. Very true. Right, right. Like, That's why I was asking whether or not he was talking about a specific um, subcategory because it doesn't 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 seem right to me that all romances forty one percent are are illustrated because I I don't see that and I'm not seeing that. Okay, well I've seen changes though, like no, for sure, for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I have seen more. Yeah, yeah, no, they're yeah. they're definitely because what we get through. Uh, through the ARC program, you know, I'm I'm seeing romance books every day coming in and their covers. And I definitely do see more illustrated ones than I used to, but they are still mainly in the rom-com and, you know, some others uh, categories, but you don't generally see them ever in the more sort of like, you know, military bad boy sports, all that stuff. Like you, Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So. Or even sports romances. I don't mm -hmm. kind of covers you're right no and generally if you do they don't do well (laughs) you know because that's it's it's the same sort of thing where you're not meeting the expectations of the readers they see a cover like that they're looking for the steamy sports or military and they're like that's not what i'm looking for right they just they make that first judging a book by its cover impression right and they're just like that's not it that you know that's not for you know the interesting thing is I actually didn't like those covers at first. I I was the one that would probably read one of those kind of like, Oh, that's sort of cartoonish, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as I saw more of them, you know, coming along, so to speak, um, feeling left out of the party, I started reading those romances more actively and they grew on me. You know, it's kind of odd. Right. So now I have this split personality, right. Where I write, the one with the couple on the cover and I still love those, but I, I love these two now, but here's an interesting thing. When I sent out my newsletter and said, Hey, I've, I said, my um, romantic comedies have got a facelift. And I had a couple of readers write back and say, I hate those covers. <laughs> now see, so, but hopefully they're going to stick with me and not say, Oh, cause she changed those covers. I don't like her anymore. Her books. Um, but you know, they're not for everybody. So I'm not saying everybody needs to get on this bandwagon, but in order to compete in that niche that suddenly I felt like I want to compete there, um, I had to do it. I don't, I don't think the other kind sell very well. You you can't please everyone. You'll never, don't even try. Exactly. Why even try? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't need to please everyone. That's, I think, the wonderful thing about self-publishing. It's like you just right. need to. There's that guy Nick Stevenson who says ten thousand readers. That's what you need. If you get ten thousand readers, which isn't very many people when you think of the context of books that sell millions of copies, that's you can make a you can make a healthy six-figure career out of having ten thousand readers. Mm-hmm. And, and right. That, Nick's right. And just think, the exciting thing is that you know that we live in a country of three hundred million people. There are 35 million people who Kindle Unlimited or something ridiculous like that. And it's like, you just need that tiny fraction who are into whatever 
weird stuff that you're into and you just need to pull them in with that so tell me about you you repurpose some of your small town romances into romantic comedies and then you said you started writing romantic comedies Mm-hmm. And what did you do different to write the romantic comedies based on what you found? I mean, was there a, a difference in what you wrote and how you approached it and the product that you ended up with? Uh, yeah, I mean, you had to have these situations uh, where something comical happened. Where when I'm writing small town romance, I don't really think about that as much, right? Can I have her... Um, in the one <laughs> in my first book, she goes to this interview and she's in this big rush to get there. So she puts on two, you know, a, a pair of black pumps. Guess what? They weren't matching. So one heels higher than the other. So I have her walking into this interview lopsided, you know, and she's trying to balance out and pretend she's walking, you know, without a limp, you know, bump, bump. and you know, I just, it was so much fun to write that scene for one thing. And second, I don't know that I would have just absolutely started the book with that if it was just a small town romance, right? Her klutzy <laughs> move to try to hide the fact that she, you know, messed up on the shoes. And, you know, I've read a lot of romantic comedies like the Tessa Bailey ones, and they start off with something like that because it's a very good, because I think, you know, read it, well, I suppose readers like to read about characters doing dumb stuff like they end up doing. <laughs> right. I've had several yeah. people comment in the reviews, you know, oh man, I could see myself doing that, you know. That's maybe yeah, not with the high then, heels, but yeah. <laughs> and then there's the you know the misunderstandings, like where somebody hears like half a conversation and they think that they heard. Them. I, I always think of the Three's Company sort of example, where that was pretty much the premise of every episode. Oh, right, <laughs> but, right. Uh, you but know, you have to sort of focus on that, right? Um, yeah. And and get those situations uh, right. In your and all those things could be resolved if people just had a conversation, <laughs> you know, like just say. Well, you know, I know you, you don't want to go too much overboard. Haven't you yeah. ever looked where you're like, just talk to each yeah, other? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if somebody would just mention the one thing. Oh, no, I can't say that. Oh. Well, Jane no, Austen based her career on that, so. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, so I think, too, like, I mean, it's sort of not really, uh, you know, um, the topic of this sort of episode isn't really this, but it does sort of like I'm just ha- I'm just curious um, when you switch to those illustrated covers that are romance. I imagine that you probably need a different cover designer, um, and even the price is probably more expensive, I would think, than um, somebody who is just taking images from the stock sites that most of the covers are based on and you know you know adding some effects and 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 the font and everything you know that's that's one type of cover but coming up with original illustrated art i think is probably a more expensive endeavor that and obviously you probably need people that specialize in that right so that was probably an extra thing that you had to sort of move to as well and 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 evolve with because you had to probably my my guess is find a different designer right um very true. Very true. I studied a lot of covers, you know, and they're these kind of more pastel colors. Um, looked at the fonts. Now, I will say one thing, though. Uh, on my covers with couples, I can spend hours 
looking through these stock photos for my couple. You know, oh, that's not quite the guy. Mm, that's not quite the girl. Uh, you know that, and you, and you write a certain hair color. Well, then you're limited. You gotta, you know. But I found that the illustrated cover was much easier <laughs> because there's sort of this. You're stepping back. You're not trying to depict them in human form, so to speak. Right? You're trying to depict sort of the the situation. Like my first one, she's a personal shopper, and I, you know, there's this great on my cover, she's holding up these shopping bags, you know, the, the cartoon character. And he's standing there. He's a grump, you know, and he's got his briefcase. He's a businessman like that. And, oh, my gosh, I, I that cover w- was done very quickly because I didn't have to look for that couple in a photograph. Were you Were you actually doing your own covers? I didn't even realize that. I have to admit I am. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, there's nothing no, wrong with that. that. No, I, as you long as you're it, good at it, right? yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's like <laughs> there are so many authors who are like don't do your own covers, but then when you're actually good at it, we're like, yeah, I do my own covers, but then again, I'm a pretty, and I it, I find it very interesting. I had a lot of feedback from my readers about they love the bare-chested men on the cover, except they don't want to see their faces for the same reason. If they oh. see their faces, it destroys the illusion of whoever they come up with in their head. That's right, and the and the couple on the cover, I think, is one of the hardest ones. Because generally speaking, don't cut their heads off, generally speaking, <laughs> right? Usually you see their whole, their face, their facial expression, their hair color. Uh, is the guy taller? Is the girl short? You know, all this stuff factors in. Where on that illustrated, more illustrated cover, you're just like, oh, well, I found my guy, found my gal. <laughs> Put them on yeah. there. Make it look cool. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can be way more... Um, specific about your cover when you can illustrate it and pick whatever you know draw it yourself or or pick from you know i guess stock images that you can manipulate easier than a photograph where it's like you know okay this this guy is kind of like mine but you know my guy has dark hair and this guy's blonde so now i gotta cut him off or i gotta you know yeah. And he's not in the right position, and he's you know, or or he's holding his mouth funny, or yeah, this guy, this this pair, I really like them, but the guy's bangs were just, uh, I was like, oh, why didn't somebody comb your hair before they took that picture? Yeah, you know, it's just something sets you off that you can't select that right couple, <laughs> right? So yeah, I guess from that perspective, illustrated is probably easier to uh, to match because I was actually before you even said that I was actually looking at shopping for the Grump, which is the one you were talking about. Oh well, yeah, and uh, and do you I like see the exactly. cover? yeah, no, I do, I do. I I, I assumed you had, were hiring out um, a cover designer, and that's why I mentioned that. I think you know you most authors who do that, you probably would need to to find a new designer because you know it's not always the same person that would be comfortable doing that kind of cover as they would from just manipulating stock images so um that would be another sort of area that you would have to pivot or evolve with but it sounds like for you you well you you just pivoted and involved your own skill set so true yeah. true yeah i i think that's really you know, i think it's really good cover and i think um you know you're uh, you're lucky in that respect so that you can do both um like we were saying like not everyone can and i mean 
sometimes they think they can and and it's not a good situation <laughs> so this is the new this is the new series right the one that's, that is too yeah. too busy for love <laughs> kind of funny name but and again that works though because that's one of the things i think about romantic comedies is the comedy often comes from situations that are relatable and it's like too busy for love then a lot of people who who read those books the demographic of them they're they're people who like do struggle with balancing a career or whatever with mm-hmm. so the relatable angle is very important yeah yeah and uh you know i have the books are focused in on she's the personal shopper the next one's going to be the personal chef uh and the guy is the lead on that one decided to switch it up and i just always have it be the girl um and that that one i'm coming out with in probably november kind of time frame um Anyway, the other thing, though, on writing that second one, everybody reacted really positively to the grump. They they liked it. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's like the person who records a record, and then they always say their Southmore uh, record isn't as good, right? Yeah. A lot, the album. And (laughs) so here I am sitting there thinking, okay, now I have to switch my mind from funny situations about personal shopping to funny situations about cooking. And is it going to be funny enough? I don't know. I hope it is. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think it's, it's, I I would think it's almost easier because if you, um, if all your stories were about personal shopping, I think you'd run out of scenarios. Oh, no kidding. Right. So at least now you have a whole different set of, things that could happen in a kitchen than, than could happen right. when you're burning shopping. down the <laughs> yeah that's right that's right and so, where oh yeah this is the first book in the new series or shopping uh for yeah. The yeah that's the first book that's the one i frantically wrote um you know thinking okay this one's totally a rom-com like, nobody's gonna you know think it's not um and it's been well received. I'm very happy with that. Like, like I said, I'm a little anxious on the next one. But, um, you know, you don't want your your romantic comedy situations to be too uh, crazy or too forced or, you know. Um, I think forced is a definite in, ro- in romantic comedies. It's like you want it to kind of feel authentic because then it's relatable. Right. Right. So when she limped into this interview, I could just I could see it. Right. Her shoes looked identical. I mean, and and the messy closet, you know, you set up the situation. Right. Grab the shoes and run. (laughs) Yeah. So um, are you looking forward to hopefully this being a success and then writing more books in the same in the same vein? I mean, you enjoy writing this. How do you enjoy it compared to writing small town books or baseball books? Well, uh small town's still kind of in my heart I, I i like those too um but there's just something about thinking up these funny situations and uh my husband even says to me what are you laughing about over there <laughs> you know because you like like we said before you don't want it to be too forced or cartoonish or everybody goes oh, well that would never happen right so it's actually a fun challenge that's and I mean, you can you can merge the two, right? There, you can have romantic comedy, small town. Right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. And in the Grump, actually, there's a very um, touching scene in there that's not funny, but it's so romantic. And you know, you know I don't want to totally give it away, but I've had a lot of readers respond to that part of it too, saying, "Oh, you know." 
And and that's what you hope too, right? You you want to make them laugh. You want to touch their heart. You want them to remember that story. Yeah, because often you you know it makes you feel a certain way, and that's why you pick up that particular that particular author's books because you're like, I want to feel like this, so you read that. Exactly, exactly. And you know the the news that surrounds us is kind of bearing down on you, and you know you get this negativity and those feelings. Yeah. And I, I really like helping people get out of that for, you know, three, four hours, however long it takes them to read, to read my book. Yeah. Reading is escape as an escape for, for most people. Right. Yeah. So um, we unfortunately are running to the top of the hour. So we're going to have to cut things off. Leah, where can people find your books? Well, I'm solely on Amazon right now. Uh, and so they just type in Leah Busboom. And yeah. there you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's wonderful. And a final piece of advice, if there is anybody who's listening to this and it kind of resonates them with a bit about like, oh, do I need to change my genre? Do I need to change my cover or something? What is the advice you would give them uh, in in making that decision? Well, you know, the first pivot I did was because I didn't feel like I fit writing wise. Right. So try to write that's true to your voice. And then the second pivot I made was. Um, you know, the market, the feeling of being left out kind of a thing, you know, um, but don't just pivot for the sake of pivoting. If you're happy and, and you're, you, you know, everything's going well, but it did breathe a breath of fresh air into my writing to sort of try this new market. And I, I encourage authors to think about that. Is there a way to branch out that's still you? Um, but, you know, it might invigorate your your writing and give you whole new things to write about. Absolutely. That's great advice. Well, Craig, do you have anything else to say as we wrap things up? No, uh, no. I, you know, it's 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 about self-awareness. Right. Like and I think that that is what you have in spades over there. So I think, you know, you're at least well positioned to make changes and, uh, you know, you're aware that you have the market. Right. And and it's true what you say. You've got to be true to yourself, but you also have to think about uh, why you're writing. Are you writing just just to tell your story, which is perfectly fine? Are you writing to make a living, which is also perfectly fine? Um, it's not let the two are diametrically opposed. But, you know, if you if you're writing for both, you want to you want to try to merge it because sometimes the stories you're telling and the way you're telling them are not necessarily meeting the goals of of making you the money you need. So if you're, if you're aware enough of the market, you can look at it and you can change enough that you can still be true to yourself, but also sell books. Right. Which is what it sounds like you did. So. Yeah. Very, very true. Yeah. It almost sounds like a, like the, the moral of a romantic comedy anyway, at the end it's like, <laughs> all you had to do is be true to yourself. That's right. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, well, thank you. Oh, I was going to say thank you so much for, for joining us, Leah. That's been a really, really fascinating conversation. Hopefully a lot of people listening to this are going to find it uh, valuable. If you do, make sure to leave a comment down below and also give Leah a like and a thumbs up. And if you haven't already, whether you're listening to this uh, as a podcast or watching it on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button. And until then, well, thank you so much for joining us, Leah. We'll be back next week with another guest. And thank you very much for supporting us. Bye bye. 